Welcome to a new episode of Negotiating Hearing, picking up from a few years back with Jessica and Lauren as they discuss their current experiences and perspectives on identity, terminologies, advocacy, and agency in CYC spaces, both the program and in the field. To personally move away from the term hearing impaired and just using hard of hearing, like I'm hard of hearing, because I'm not impaired. Because if you Googled, if you Google the word impaired, it means like weak or damaged. So like, I don't know, for me, I've been trying to move away from hearing impaired and move towards hard of hearing, so like I'm hard of hearing and deaf. But like for the word deaf, I don't think there's, or like the word for the word disability, I don't think there's really another word for it. Personally, I use the word disability or I know I do use the word exceptionalities a lot. Or like if I want to, if I'm feeling like it, or say like I'm just like unique, that like only I can define my deaf identity. Like I was born deaf, but like I have he- I have hearing pains, and like my whole family is hearing. So I was kind of I like the word integrated, but I was kind of like brought up in the hearing community. So then when I went to like the Glen Rose and met other people who had implants like me or when I met people who were like me in a sense that were like born deaf or hearing, it was nice for me to be able to relate them but it, it related them but it was a process to navigate between both the the deaf and the hearing communities but I know that I'm a part of both of the cultures just like when I think about it it makes me feel like I'm kind of like Cross culture or bad culture in a way because I'm part of both worlds. And like for me personally, growing up, sometimes it was a struggle to negotiate my own identity between a hearing world and a deaf world. And I did that for myself. Like I moved between both of them. And like for me, being part of the hearing culture was fine. But I feel like part of me, like what made me feel part of like my own culture, I guess, would be the fact that I had an interpreter named Mary and she was with me from like grade four all the way to grade 12 and she was just dying to me in class. She wouldn't like stand there in class but she was dying and then she would sit down and the teacher would talk and then she would come up to me and dying and see if I understood and stuff so like I was like my way to relate to the culture and I know that this interpreter I had she had brothers who were deaf so I know that she really understood how I felt in a lot of ways too. So it's nice to be able to communicate Jews in American sign language because for me it's not Jews like ever <laughs> because everybody I know talks like sometimes I sign to myself just to keep up with it a little bit like it's like I'm talking to myself but I'm signing to myself on the side on the side of my body with one hand like finger spelling but yeah and like and like if I'm looking for jobs that mention working like I find like now in my life, if I'm looking for jobs, I try to find something that, like I noticed like I would try to find jobs that, that work with people who are deaf or hard of hearing because I think it would be cool because then I would be able to relate to it in a lot of ways. And it might help me to like navigate that area a little bit more. Yeah. And then like, I guess my last point would be, um, like sometimes when you're hungry that it's easy to be discriminated against. But I realized that I don't always recognize that. And I think that's when my resiliency is taking place. 
because I don't always recognize it. Sometimes somebody else will point it out to me. And I'm like, oh, like, because my hostility just comes in place. So it's like, not something I always see or think of in the moment because I'm just like staying strong about it. Yeah. So that's what, that's the whole point I had for that entire session. <laughs> I really like what you said about growing up in a hearing culture as well as as hard of hearing. So you, you do, you're right when you say you're kind of bicultural in that way and move across maybe like move across environments or communities. And that you don't always recognize discrimination until sometimes that it's brought to your attention. I found that really interesting. Just the navigating um, between two worlds, I think for me is, was also difficult because um, like, although I wasn't born deaf, like when I, um, was diagnosed with a hearing loss, you know, again, like my whole family, like they, they're, they're, they can hear perfectly fine. So, and I always kind of struggled with, you know, my part of the hearing community or my part of the deaf of heart of hearing community, because oftentimes a lot of individuals identifying in the deaf of heart of community, deaf and heart of community. I said, I still said that wrong, but that's okay. Um, a lot of them are born deaf, um, or experience deafness, in different ways where mine was based on um, chemotherapy treatments so for me it was hard to identify myself with within that community because like I just I never met another person who like had gained their hearing loss because of that so I always was like okay I can hear better than like most people but at the same time like I still have that um like I'm not the same as everyone else. So I, I always kind of felt like community, community, and I was kind of always stuck in the middle. So I didn't necessarily always know which one I was a part of. Um, and even when I did a lot of work, um, I did a lot of volunteering with the um, agencies that supported me um, in public schools when I was going through them and um, talking about my experiences really helped me kind of figure out that I'm unique and it's okay to be unique. And some little things within my experiences would like help other kids going through those experiences too, despite the differences. And I just, um, maintaining a positive attitude for me really helped me like be okay with who I was. Um, but I still found like being a part of the deaf of hard of hearing community really valuable, even though like I still didn't necessarily feel like, like, you know, I'm a member per se, but, um, disclosure was always, um, really a big part of my identity because people don't always see that I wear hearing aids and people think that I talk fine. And so I'm okay. So it was all disclosure for me was always that risk because it was either, you know, a judgment call, like when is the right time to disclose the risk to my disclosing? Cause I didn't want people to think that I was different because oftentimes um, when people hear the, you know, the word disability or you're not normal per se, you know, there's that obvious like, Oh, okay. She's, you know, she's different. She's not like us kind of thing. So um that was really evident for me in schools because I would purposely choose to, you know, not disclose. And then I would risk, you know, missing information or not hearing. So that was 
Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, experience like disclosure um, and problems with disclosure too, because, you know, those are really big parts of our identity. And there's been so much, we can go on when we talk about the word disability, but there's so, there's so much negative connotations to people who experience hearing loss. Um, and so I think, you know, yeah, just disclosure was always a huge part of mine. And it's, and it still is. And I think, you know, I've started to um, be more comfortable with it because it's, it's who I am and I'm, whether or not I need accommodations, I need to be comfortable with that idea. But the navigating between those two worlds is definitely, it's, it's difficult because, you know, you want to be like everyone else because a majority of people here, that's the majority. Um, and when you're not a part of that majority, you know, that it sucks as much as like you want to be confident in who you are, like it sucks. <laughs> so. It's, it's kind of like showing other people around you and people that you work with that like, hey, I have a hearing loss, but like, look what I can do kind of thing. Like the main positive thing, like it's okay to be different. You can still do anything you put your mind to. Yeah. And I really tried to use that with the youth I work with too. So I really like when you said that. Yeah. No, because in the like in within deaf culture, deafness and hearing loss, like they're not valued as yeah. a disability. They're not valued as anything less than any anything else. But so you know, like within that community, you know, so what? I have a hearing loss. That that doesn't. That's not a part of me. That doesn't define me. That doesn't make me any less than you know anyone else in the room. There's that um, shared experience, which is, which is really powerful, um, too. So, yeah. <laughs> I just, um, I remember, like, coming into child and youth care, and um, for me, because I have my little, my little uh, microphone that I use, so it's, like, the minute, I know I needed to, like, you know, advocate for myself, and the, but the minute, you know, I go up to my professor and I'm just like, hey, I'm, I'm Lauren. I'm the one who sent you the email that you got. And this is my microphone. And can you, can you wear it, please? And I'd show them how to work it, whatever. You know, everyone stares at me at the front of the room because I look completely normal. But yet the teacher's got this weird mic thing hanging on their neck. Whereas, you know, once you step into that different environment where you have those shared experiences, like, it, okay, so like, basically everyone in the room is connected to the Bluetooth mic so we can all hear and there's closed captioning up on the screen. So it's accessible to everyone. So I, <laughs> I there's just, I think it's like, not, why can't, why are we navigating between two different worlds, two different communities when we should all be, you know, one. one. Yeah, I'm, I'm different and that sucks, but you know, like I am who I am. And I think that sometimes that's really hard for people to believe in themselves because we're in a society that teaches us, you know, be a certain way, act a certain way, or look a certain way. And if you don't look this certain way or whatnot, you know, you're not accepted. Make good points. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, like I, it was definitely, yeah, the second year and third year is like better because, you know, you, 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 everybody knows you. Yeah, and you formed relationships more with your professors because our professors are very like small and it's not like we have, you know, a different professor every year. But yeah, no, definitely the first year is most intimidating because, you know, um, you know, you have to advocate for yourself and for your, the university has given you these accommodations. You're like, okay, I have to do this. But then, you know, it's like high school and 
junior high again where you're you're going up you know hey you know did you get did you get my email it's 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 easier when you know they've responded to you to be like hey you know i'm i'm there for you and thank you for reaching out um but def it's still intimidating you know going up there and yeah every everyone's looking at you because you never met them before and they don't know your story yeah i think for me when i was in like i didn't do first year so i did stuck in you but like when i went into stuck in you i did use my fm a little bit but then i found that i wouldn't use it because uh child and youth gets a lot of like class discussion a lot of group discussion so for me i found it pointless to use it because i would hear just a t-shirt like just a professor and like not everybody else is coming because then people are like really quiet yeah so i didn't hear what they had to say so like when i was thinking about how i advocate for myself and what it looks like and what i have to do i realized that sometimes people don't understand that you have to advocate for yourself so like for me like i can i can speak pretty clear i i think i think i can speak pretty good thanks to that's 17 years of speech therapy though and like i can read lips but for me it doesn't mean that i can understand everything that's being communicated and that's the way people will get upset with me sometimes but if I, I know that if i don't understand what someone says I, I will tell them myself like like capabilities so sometimes people don't think like i'm capable of doing a job equal to somebody else that's hearing for example so what i mean by that is like have you ever had a job where you do training shifts and then the job asks you to do journal reflections like you do in cinema like you do journal reflections in cinema and then everything you learned in those training shifts you have to write them down like what you learn like i'm talking keywords like like reframing things into a positive, uh, using gender-based approach, like writing exactly what you learned and like the terms and why. I wrote like four paragraphs, like basically two pages, and they were like, this is too long. But then they hired somebody else and they didn't do general reflections. So like that made me really like, I like I thought, when I thought that, I was like really upset. So I addressed it and they said, no, we wanted to help benefit your learning. I think, okay, I can understand that part. You want to help me grow professionally and help me grow my skills. Cool. But I was upset that I had to do it. And then they hired somebody a few weeks after me and they did not have to do the general questions that I did, even though I have a four-year degree and this person did it. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, that made me upset, but like now I'm over it and past it, but it's still an experience that I can referred to as a time where I had to advocate for myself and like even though I spoke to like three supervisors they didn't get it they just they just thought there was a positive thing like yeah it's a positive thing but then it's not at the same time because you made me do it and you didn't make these other people that you hired do it so I think it would take a long time to really see change sometimes and like advocating is not always easy, easy to do because it's like me who's deaf and hard of hearing against everybody who's hearing. And it's like, how often, like when you're in a group of people, it's usually all hearing people. There's no one else there that's hard of hearing with you. That's very rare, right? Like I know I can, like I, I know that I can make a difference by helping other people to become more aware and address those power imbalances contribute to like creating social equality when I'm working and stuff. So for example, if, if I work for 
somewhere in the future maybe and the organization is like demonstrates ableism ableism i can like take accountability and advocate for like myself and the other individuals that i'm working with to create more uh, equality and like i can do that by creating social events i mean after covid i can foster spaces of inclusion i can make everybody feel welcome yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of things that can be done to end the stigma of stereotyping. Let me stop rambling, though. Well, you mentioned this stuff, like, there's power in awareness. You know, sharing our stories not only allows us to feel comfortable within our own parts of identity, but it allows, you know, others with shared experiences to feel comfortable sharing their stories. And I think, you know, again, just sharing our experiences, you know, there's risk uh, disclosure and stigma in itself. It's like, how do we withhold those stigmatizing labels? Because, um, you know, in a sense, that that's how, you know, we can control, you know, our stories and our information. But how do we still bring awareness to, you know, all of the stigma and stereotypes that are out there, especially that are still impacting, you know, the next generation and people who come after that and after that and after that, right? And it's like, like, what is, what is that next step? How do we go beyond, you know, sharing voice, allowing people to have voice, giving, you know, individuals power to speak out. And I think, you know, that important part that you mentioned, Jessica, is, you know, once we are in, you know, not necessarily positions of power, I'm, when I'm more than just a student at a university, when, you know, I have a position within an agency and, you know, I have a little bit more room to navigate these stereotypes in a place where I can, you know, do more than just speak within my community. I can reach, um, I don't like the idea that we have to be in a power position to, you know, better spread those ideas. But, you know, even I think, you know, the idea of humility and being curious to learn more, you know, about a person despite, you know, who they are and what they look like or what we assume to them, you know, I think there's even power within them. But you know, it goes back to how do we take advocacy further? How do we take it? What's, what does that next step look like? Because I think, you know, we can talk and talk and talk and talk and make people aware, but then, you know, like, what's, what is, that's, that's something that bothers me. I don't know, like, what does that next step look like? I don't know what that next step looks like, because all I've ever done is advocate for myself, advocate my story, how, and, you know, I want to help kids. I remember sitting in those classes when I was in elementary school about being taught about advocacy and what that means and how can I accommodate myself. And now I'm speaking to parents or I'm speaking to youth about advocating and what that means and why it's important in my experiences and how they've helped me. But what is, I can bring power to them, but how do I bring power to hearing people? How are we fostering a relationship between a hearing community and the non-hearing community. I don't think there is a relationship at all. I was telling Anna, I did research on an agency that supports children, youth, and families with hearing loss. And they talked about, you know, how they want to foster that relationship. And I'm like, does that relationship even exist? Is there a relationship based on all of the stigmatizing labels that are out there about people who not necessarily have or experience disabilities, but individuals within the deaf and hard of hearing community is is there even a relationship between those people it doesn't seem to me like there is because we have we continue to advocate 
for ourselves. We have to, I, I can get really angry and talk about this for like hours and hours because I think the last couple of years with exploring not only my identity and listening to your stories and listening to other stories that I've, that I, I have other, other individuals that I know based on conferences and stuff that I've been to, which I think I've been really lucky to attend those, but listening to them, I'm just, now I'm trying to think, you know, is there, there's no relationship between these two communities that we are trying to navigate between. What is that next step for advocacy? How can we make that relationship and foster it between those communities? I'm curious to know what you think about that. I think when you say, and I think about like the relationship like that, I don't know what the relationship is just, I feel like the relationship more exists between people who have like disabilities. So like if you meet somebody who's in a wheelchair, it's not the same as being hard of hearing or that, but you can relate to them. Having that relationship between like the deaf culture and the hearing culture, I don't know if it is this. An example of this could be like, my battery dies. I'm having a conversation with someone. And then like, they're looking at me like, oh, it's that. And I'm like, oh, it's my body. Like my body died, so I have to change my body. And they're like, what? Like, I, they don't understand. So I'm like, well, I'm, I'm hard of hearing. I usually wear a cochlear implant. And the comment, and this, this actually happened. And this person said, but you're still beautiful. I was like, that's nothing to do with my hearing. <laughs> and I had to laugh about it. Cause I was like, what does being beautiful have to do with my ears? <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of those like weird stories just happen. People's initial responses are just, they're, they're completely like, they don't relate to hearing. It's like, oh, you, like you speak so well. Like my, how, how I, how I talk has nothing to do with my hearing. They're completely different senses or functions or like they're, they're completely different. And like my hearing has nothing to do with what I look like. My, have my physical appearance. Like, what is that? Um, (laughs) I think it's, it's, it's weird. It's that idea I, that goes back to, you know, like hearing people are like, they're normal. Hearing loss for some reason is considered a disability, which I can talk for more hours about why I hate that too, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, like the, I'm maybe, maybe I'm just that idea of someone else having a physical disability. Like, yeah, they're not the same, but there is that understanding of being different. We're not considered within that norm of society. So just, yeah, like, (laughs) I just, I can't, I can't get over those like comments, just just a regular, like, you know, hearing people, you know, like uh, that, that's not connected to my hearing. So like, that doesn't, yeah, all we can do is laugh about it because it's not necessarily um, hurtful, but it's like, what? It's not hurtful, but it makes you think um, being high out of hearing is like part of who I am, but it's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And people sometimes, sometimes people will have the habit of seeing the disability first and not the person, right? But yeah. especially when people ask questions and don't make assumptions. And so when people ask me, how can I make this better for you? Or what can I do better? I'm like, you can ask me questions and not make assumptions. Like that's... I feel like that's the biggest part I do when it comes to advocacy. And that is something that I have used with my coworkers. Like, you have questions, just ask, like, don't make assumptions. Because, like, when yeah. you make assumptions, like we learn in CYC, using your assumptions is your personal biases. You can't do that. Yeah. And I think that comes back to that idea that I mentioned, or like the idea of humility and um, curiosity, because 
you know, in a, in a world, I think we're constantly learning, you know, every day, but when yeah. it comes all down to, you know, like be, hearing loss is not, it's not me. It doesn't define me. And I think that's something that I took a, a really long time for me to understand because when people just looked at me differently, I didn't want to be associated with my hearing loss. I was like, screw that. I didn't, I didn't advocate for myself. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to use the things that were helping me to hear. Whereas now, you know, yeah, like I've, I always have kids at my work who you can't see my hearing aids, but you know, all of a sudden my hearing aid died. So I have to go off to the corner, you know, like change my battery and someone like a six-year-old will come up to me like, oh my God, like, what is that kind of thing? And I think that's what I love about children is their amount of curiosity and imagination. And then I look at, you know, older generations and I'm like, where, where is that curiosity? Where it goes all back to the, you know, those assumptions and those judgments that um, you mentioned, Jessica. And I just wonder, you know, how can we learn to be more curious in a society that sometimes doesn't value what it means to be curious? How can we be curious, you know, despite unconscious biases that we may have? How can we, you know, continue to learn and continue to grow. I think that people think, you know, once that they graduate school, oh, I don't need, to, I don't need to learn anymore. That's it. That's not for me. But I think, you know, we're, con we're constantly learning every day. Someone told me yesterday, like, there's no value in a day if you don't learn anything. And even if it's just, it's just the smallest thing, there's no value in that day. Um, and I thought that was really interesting um, in terms of like, you know, and it goes back, how, how can we be curious? just that's that's not who I am but yeah like ask me questions about it I don't I don't mind it I don't mind telling you my story I don't mind telling you about my hearing aids and that might be even then at that next step to advocacy how can we move away from those assumptions how can we go beyond and be curious and ask questions I feel like you have the like I like what you said is, is a good point like how can we help people move um, towards being chased and stuff. I think a lot of it comes down to like having that boundary and saying like, like calling them, calling them out when they say something that I hate when people speak to me. I mean, it happens a lot right now because of COVID and I can't hear anybody anyways, but without COVID, I'll speak for myself, right? It's like teaching people how to not make assumptions and ask questions. It's better to ask questions. I always say that there's no stupid question to ask. It's better to ask than to not ask. Yeah, there's a lot of, I, like that idea I think is still evident. I think we need to get away of that idea um, of, of stupid questions. There's no stupid questions. I mean, people always get mad at or me or think I asked a stupid question, but I like clarification. If I miss something, I'm like, hey, did you say this? Is that, this is what you said, right? And sometimes people look at me like, duh, that's, yeah, that's what I said. Like, why are you? why are you asking again? I was like, dude, I hearing, like, I missed you. Like, it's okay to repeat yourself. But yeah, just, there's no stupid questions. Child in New Care does a really great job of, you know, promoting this idea of being curious and asking questions and moving beyond how do we continue to question, you know, those assumptions and be open-minded too. Yeah, I think it just goes back to, you know, just not being afraid to ask questions. I also think that Child and Youth Kid does a good job of teaching us a lot about like advocating. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like maybe it's not something that you do a lot for yourself, but when you're in the class, you realize it was on his class where I did the paper 
like on my on my stomach. And like when I was in that class, it had you look at all your own privileges and stuff, mm. all your, whatever your privileges, your disadvantages, and then how and you have to like connect them. But when I did that, I realized like I'm not the only one that has to advocate for myself. There's plenty of other people that have to advocate for themselves too. But there's so many people out there that are trying to move towards more social equity and having everybody be treated as equals. Yeah, you know, in child and youth, there we talk about it a lot because how are we supposed to advocate as practitioners for the children, youth, and families that we're working with? And yeah, like that's a good example that you bring from that paper that you learned, um, Jessica, is a lot of people out there are advocating for themselves too. There's still a lot of injustice and just so many things. And I think we can, you know, touch on that more when we talk about, you know, the meaning of the word disability and how we can, you know, deconstruct that language in itself. Cause it, there's so many words out there with so many negative connotations. You know, a really good example is um, the R word. I haven't heard that word being used in society, but I know a lot of people still use it. And there's a campaign I saw on Instagram going around, like, how do we move away from that word? How can we change our language? And, um, you know, my mom was getting into a conversation with my mom about this once, about language. And language evolves, words evolve. You know, we think about the dictionary and how many times the new edition of the dictionary is printed and, you know, despite all the slang words that they add, language changes. I was going to say, like, remember, like, back, at May, maybe, I don't know if you've ever read about this, but I have, like, back in the day, they didn't use the word disability, they used the word retarded. Yeah. Yeah, and that's they, what I mean, I and, I mean by the R word. I hate, I hate that word with a passion. <laughs> so, like, if my youth ever used the word retarded, I'm like, excuse me, like, you take that back now. And then I'll talk to them, but you won't use that word, it's very negative. But, like, they... The language, you right, like, language is always evolving, always changing, and it's like, how can we change it even more? It's like, I know that we don't have the power to do that. Like, we do, but we don't. Yeah. Like, it can't just be you, me, and, like, oh, no. People, people say this, and, you know, as much as, like, it sucks, you know, one person can't bring about change. Yeah. As much as, like, one person wants to, and I think that's what really sucks, and, you know, we put that into, you know, young generation minds, you know, you can empower yourself but in reality you can't do anything just by yourself you need people around you you need big groups like think of all the movements that we have you know globally when we think of like the me too movement when we think about black lives matter you know bit more a lot of people can make change it's not necessarily like i like you said like you me on a other hard of hearing individuals we necessarily can't make change because you know we're one community general like we're still a minority and my and a lot of people much as you know I want to make change and you want to make change and we can want to change the word and language because that's really negative and that sucks I don't want to be associated as a person with a disability because of all the connotation negative connotation behind it going back to that idea of curiosity you know how can we think about the word and what it means how it's been socially constructed in our society what if we think about, you know, the majority of individuals in our society live with normal hearing and way back when, you know, deafness equaled a disability, you were considered handicapped. This idea of, you know, deaf is dumb, you can't hear, like you're incapable of anything. 
so yeah, that idea has changed over time to, you know, deafness as kind of like a, a physiological difference, which is, I guess, kind of better than this idea of that we're deaf and dumb, but that stigma still exists, right? Like, like we're not deaf and dumb. We're, have you ever heard of deaf and dead? <laughs> Someone said you're deaf and dead? I said no. Oh my god. We are very much alive. <laughs> yeah, Matt, okay. Like, yeah, you have a really good point. You said that the word, people are still using the word handicap these days. And like, when people use the words like handicap, like impaired, it's like, it's like weakness, incapable, disease, condition. No, we don't have any of that. Yeah. <laughs> Disability and the dis is like, if you like take that word apart, I'm trying to think of this in my mind, like if you visually like separate dis and then ability, it's like not able. And I am, I am able in terms of like when you focus more on like the in, like invisible disabilities when, um, you know, that's when that's something that's, you know, not noticeable to like the observer to like the naked eye. And then that goes back to, you know, when information is disclosed, it goes back to that whole connotation of the term disability, not able. I feel like a lot of people who think like not able means that they can't do anything. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's weird because like, it's like if I apply for a job, I don't put on my resume that I'm dead. In Canada, we think that we've changed and we've grown. We kind of haven't. We are still emphasizing this idea of, you know, normal. Like, there's still this idea that if you're not nor considered normal, you're not normal, and that sucks. Too bad for you. And there's all that, you know, those negative um, connotations to, you know, not being like everyone else. Yeah. I think what needs to be normalized is why would you want to be normal when you're born to stand out? Yeah. Life would be so boring if we were all the same. <laughs> well, and even if we would be so boring if we were all the same. Like, if, like, picture you and I with the same experiences, same hair, same appearances. Like, that's, no, if we all look the same, like, that's, that's no. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, we're born to be different. We're born to be unique. But people with differences, people with uniquenesses, it's not like everyone else. That, that's still shamed and I don't know I don't understand why that's shamed because like you said like we're born to stand up we're born to be different I think you know as like as I've grown up I've I come to like I don't care what everyone else thinks of me and that's not always easy to come by with that idea because you know I think sometimes we're so worried about what other people and our society thinks about us because of those standards that are put out there like, I'm me, I love being me. I wouldn't change it for anyone else. And I think that goes back to the idea of, I've seen a lot of memes lately. Um, I follow one of my, one of my hard of hearing friends has a hard of hearing meme account. Oh, I love it. She's hilarious. She posted on her story as an actual question. Like if you, as a deaf of hard of hearing person, would you, if you were offered like surgery to like cure your hearing loss, and, or your deafness or like would you take it and a lot of people within the hearing community would be like yeah like get on that you can hear you can be like us but a lot of individuals were saying you know like no 
that's my identity. This is part of who I am. I don't, I don't want to change that. I don't want to, sometimes I think I struggle with that because I'm not, again, because I have trouble identifying between those two communities. So sometimes I'm, I think about, you know, would I, because then I could be like everyone else. But then at the same time, I don't want to, because I've, I've had a hearing loss since forever now, since that it's all that I've ever known. I was just going to say, like, sometimes people will ask me, if I tell them, like, oh, I'm hard of hearing, or I'm deaf, they're like, oh, oh, what happened? Nothing. I was born like this. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, nothing happened to me. I was born like this. But, like, anyways, when we were talking about, like, how society expects everything to be, like, perfect, it made me think about the media, because... The media paints everything to be so perfect, right? You know, in movies, you don't see people with mental health. You don't really see people in, like, wheelchairs. You don't really see people who are, like, hard of hearing or deaf. But, like, I've noticed in the last couple of years, they slowly have more movies and TV shows coming out that are talking about people who have mental health. They're talking about people who are in a wheelchair. They're talking about people who are hard of hearing and deaf. Like Toy Story put a cochlear implant in their movie. It's very, very brief scene. But I was like, yes. And I had to rewind it and watch it like three times. That's the only reason why I watched it. I love like, that. It just makes you think. It just makes you think, you know? Yeah. If the media, if the media change the picture it made all these things that are different, more normalized, would everybody else be more serious then? Yeah. And, and that's like, then you, when you say that, like, that makes me think about like the power itself that media holds, the, the influence that it has on, you know, our assumptions and our, like, just all of stereotyping and stuff out there. If they can change that narrative, you know, what would that look like? Yeah. just our community and even in you know like child and youth care we don't often you know talk about um individuals children to families affected by hearing loss i mean i remember i took a class and they talked about it briefly <laughs> briefly <laughs> that's a key word in your sentence <laughs> and like i, I forgot who was but there's someone in the class did like cochlear implant and then like the whole class looked at me because they yeah. don't know cochlear implant <laughs> Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's a lot that we can say and think about when we think about just that term disability and what it, you know, it means to us individually as, as you know, to individuals that, you know, experience, you know, what that word is. Because, you know, I think, you know, there's that general connotation, but, you know, I, f I feel like you and I would both experience that term differently, despite our shared experiences. Yeah, everything's based off people's experiences. Everybody experiences things differently. The term disability, like when I, I like as I said earlier, when I was doing my search, whether there is really no other term for it, so I would just use. I don't know. It's like when you have the when you have this, like the dish, like the dish is like it sounds negative, but like ability, like yeah, I have an ability. Like I'm able, I can, I have a new, I have a, I have a magic power. I have a bionic ear. I'm, I'm able. I don't know. So like when I think of like the word disability, I don't really know another word that can be used. Just that it, like, sometimes it just comes off as, like you weak, way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like the only term we have. 
I can use it's like abled, unique, or just like call it as it is, right? If you're in depth. Yeah. 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 Well, I like that idea of like calling it like it is. Pardon? Uh, calling it like it is. I like, I like that idea. Um, just because, you know, I think that maybe do we need like to change the connotation of disability or do we just need to look at it in a different way? Because for me, and when I think of disability, my experience with the word disability is different on multiple levels because I experienced um, like a physical disability. Um, you know, after my treatment, you know, I was physically unable to walk. I was in a wheelchair for quite a long time. I had a walker. So I knew what it was like to be, you know, physically like unable, I guess. And then my hearing loss was a completely different thing. So I've seen, you know, two sides to what it means to, you know, be considered disabled. Um, and I'm, the more like we talk about it and, you know, we've discussed, you know, like things in terms of, you know, social, the social construct of the word. And like you mentioned, I, I can't think of, you know, any other words that I would use either. Um, I do really like the term accessibility um, and, you know, being able, but yeah. I'm like, thinking about what if we just you know accept that um call it like it is this is me um I don't want to be anyone else because I love who I am um and you know just I think more people should well maybe not should but I would hope that they would feel like you know more comfortable in their own skins and owning owning that because it's like it's like a like we're kind of like puzzles. I think there's multiple pieces to our puzzles. Yeah, I have a hearing loss, but you know, I can't I can't think of other parts of my identity at the moment. But you right, there's different components that make us who we are. You know, we, you talked about that earlier. You know, like my hearing loss is it doesn't define me. That's not the only part of me. Um, and so, you know, yeah, we can own other stuff about us, but if we can't own, um, you know, our hearing loss, like, what is, what is that? Are we giving other people their power, our power? Are we giving those who look down on us our power by not, by not accepting those parts of our identity? I don't know. When I think about the, like, dis disability, I don't think I have one. <laughs> Yeah. I just say yeah. I'm happy and I'm done. That's it. I just say I just say as it is. Like I don't really use the word disability. Mm -hmm. Every time I really have to use it, it's like like I have to claim disability every year on my taxes, for example. <laughs> like, that's, the, that's like the only time. Well, sometimes people might ask me about that anyway. They'll ask me about like getting disability benefits and stuff, but. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't consider myself somebody that has a disability. I just consider myself someone that's like, I just stay as it is that I'm hard of hearing or that I'm deaf. Yeah. I Like, I agree with you. Like, I don't normally use, like, the term disability either. I refer to my, you know, my hearing loss as a hearing loss. I used to use the word hearing impaired, but yeah, no, I don't like that term impaired because I'm, I'm not impaired. I'm not, I'm functioning quite fine. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like besides, you know, accepting that idea, like, yeah, can, or how can we reclaim that word? I think 
what I like what Anish did. Yeah. <laughs> like, we are the airport. Yeah. Yeah, that one's better than the term disability. Or like, I find like if I'm talking about other people who have a disability, I'll just do exceptionalities. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just say as it is, like, like, oh, this person has autism, you know? Like, oh, this person just like, struggles with mental health. Mm-hmm. I'll just say as it is, I won't like beat around the bush. Why beat around the bush? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the word, like, as we're talking about the word disability, like, yeah, the word disability can be changed to something different, like, um, able, differently able, unique, or just exceptionality, staying it as it is. But I still, like, I still think that, like, yes, the word disability can be changed into a different word, but it came a long way from the word retarded. Mm-hmm, that's true. Like, when I was looking into it and thinking about it, I feel like, Disability is better than retarded, but I know that we can be better than that and have a better term for the word disability. Yeah, if we've changed language once, we can probably change it again. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I have to work harder than an average person to prove that I can do something. I've always felt like that, though. It doesn't matter the kind of jobs I've had. I've always felt that every time I have a new job, I always feel like I have to work harder than the average person to show that I can do something. It's like it's like in a group home, sometimes it's not busy, so you just like sit down and watch TV. Sometimes I can't even do that. I feel like somebody's always watching me. I have to get up and do something and show that I can do the same thing as somebody else because I think when it comes down to it, I'm probably somebody that's more likely to be fired than somebody who's like hearing because I don't know, that's mad mindset. It's like, okay, I have to work harder than the average person. Okay, I have to do everything like on the dot. I can't miss something. If I forget something, it may not have a positive outcome. Um, a lot of my coworkers, like they didn't come from child and youth care backgrounds, but they were still, I felt like I was more questioned about my abilities in terms of my age, not necessarily because of my hearing loss. It was more me who put pressure on myself because of my hearing loss. Like, oh, I need to hear, like, I need to hear people. I need to understand them. I need to work from that perspective more um, instead of, you know, other people's expectations of me because of my, what they believed were my limitations. It was more my pressure on myself to excel in the areas despite you know oh I'm, I'm this kid's telling me this really important thing and I missed it like that that's on me that's not on any that's not on anyone else but um, I am interested and a little nervous <laughs> to see what um, you know my future will look like you know once I leave the program and then when I'm navigating more of the workforce and what that looks like in terms of different components of my identity and especially my hearing loss because you know I think Jessica mentioned in regards to COVID like it's wearing a mask is so makes like makes hearing so much harder even for me um and I just I'm of course it's eventually you know going to go away and that won't be our reality anymore but I'm really quite nervous to know what you know my um, employment will look like that my employment opportunities will look like in the future based on you know the many components of my identity because of all of the connotations and stigma against um, you know individuals affected by hearing loss because 
I'm, I'm 100% capable. Yeah. I'm, I might need some, you know, supports to help me get to a place where I'm comfortable and I can work to my best ability. Um, but I'm always going to try to do my best because, you know, that's the thing that I believe that I can always do my best no matter what, despite what other people think of me. So I'm more, um, it's more not obvious. Like people, I know people talk behind my back or I, I'm, I've noticed little, little things, you know, people will kind of say things that they don't necessarily know is discriminatory, but you know, they say it anyways, or it's a joke or it's that kind of thing. But um, because I haven't been in the workforce very long, I don't always experience, you know, obvious discrimination because of, of my hearing. Yeah. Microaggressions. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think, you know, it goes back to, you know, those unconscious biases, people aren't always aware of what they're saying is hurtful. Um, and, you know, for me, I, you know, I tend to, I'm the kind of person who, you know, takes words really harshly based on, you know, growing up, kids used to always tease me because of my differences. So now that I'm older, when I say these things, I'm more kind of, it's a coping mechanism. I kind of brush it off. I kind of laugh at it because, you know, um, I know that, you know, sometimes people don't always mean those things based on, you know, societal views and that kind of stuff. But um, it's more definitely like microaggressions and little things that aren't necessarily overly like noticeable within my work, but it's definitely like my worry for a future and what that will look like then. But again, there's that, there's that shared experience. And I think, you know, when individuals have shared experiences, there's comfort with that. Um, I used to hate sharing my experiences in the context of child and youth care because I didn't want, there was, again, there's, you know, the power of disclosure. I didn't want to be considered as anything else but myself. And even in, it's, it took me three years to become comfortable with that, that this is who I am and I'm not afraid of who I am. I don't, I love who I am. And, you know, there's not a lot of, um, individuals in child and youth care who, have experiences with hearing loss and you know if I can be that one person to educate and bring awareness to something then you know I'm going to do that and I don't want to be afraid to share my story. That's what made me strong right? That's what made me resilient. You can do anything you want don't let anybody tell you you can do something. Mm -hmm. And like if you need support reach out like talk to your friends talk to people that you relate to that you feel like that but that you feel that they understand you. Like when I was in school, I felt like I felt that was you, Anna. I felt like you understood in a way that other professors didn't. Mm -hmm. Like like connecting with people, um, like just be yourself. Like don't think that you can do something until you prove yourself wrong. Like try it. Mm -hmm. Try. It. If you need support, then ask. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. You can't be afraid. Um, <laughs> yeah well it's like the world is a scary place there's a lot of life like life is uncertainty life is full of uncertainties and we one thing that I've come to realize is that I can't be I can't let my worries and I can't let my fears um, be stronger than who like I can't let them overtake my life because then I'm gonna go nowhere
you have to, it's as scary and as weird and as uncomfortable as it's going to be to advocate and stand up for yourself. You like, there's, you can't do anything else. Otherwise your life will go backwards and you won't get anywhere. You have to believe in yourself as much as you wish that, you know, you had a different life or you had a different outcome. If you were, wish, if you like wish things work differently, that's like, you have to come to acceptance with what the way life is. And as much as we live in a world that's full of injustices, I feel like I said that word wrong, but <laughs> as much as like, this is our society today. And as much as we still have oh, so much, like we have a large area of growth and things that we can work on. We have to, you know, push forward. You have to continue to be positive and believe in yourself despite what other people say. Like what Jessica said, you have to advocate for yourself. You have to be there for yourself. You have to be confident in who, in who you are, um, which is hard. Like it's all, there's, I don't think there's a, a point in life that isn't hard. Um, I truly believe that we have more bad days than we have good days, but I think that those good days make up for what, um, we don't have or what we wish could have happened, but um, navigating in a, in a world that deems differences as um, not capable is hard. And the most that you can do is reach out to people who, uh, who, under, who maybe they don't understand because they don't have the same experiences that you do, but who try to understand, who want to understand support you yeah you're gonna learn to navigate those just like you've learned to navigate your identity up to this point yeah there's never something that you can't do you can do anything that you put your mind to if you fight for it and believe in it yep